Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. We're your hosts. This week we watched Life, directed by Daniel Espinosa and released in 2017. The plot of Life goes something like this. A crew aboard the International Space Station experiments with organic matter from Mars and discovers a rapidly evolving organism that presents a danger to them all. And at this point, we will sound a spoiler warning for this movie because there isn't um, really much of a way to talk about it without spoilers. So go and see it first if you want to and then come back to this episode. Yeah, so we saw Life today and it was pretty much what I expected. I'm pretty sure that like uproarious laughter wasn't what the filmmakers were going for, especially at the ending, but that's what they got anyway. Not from um, the whole audience. Not from the whole audience. But the guys next to us, the older couple next to us also laughed at the ending. Yeah, it was so pretty comic. Um, but yeah, and, and like yeah, this movie just never met a cliche it doesn't like. Mm. Like every single cliche in the book was in this movie, um, which made it, you know, like it was fun, but it wasn't scary. Mm. And it wasn't like well made. No, then there were plot holes you could drive trucks through. Well, there's, it, I mean, firstly, it suffers from the, uh, the Prometheus. They went to the Prometheus School of Science, where like all of the scientists act in very unscientisty ways in order to move the plot along. That was one of my plot holes, actually. But yeah, from the trailer, though, this looked like it was sort of a bad remake of Alien. That was the idea. Very kind of like a cross between Alien and Gravity. Yeah. And, that was kind of what it was. It was not great. It's pretty much exactly what it but was. But it was pretty much what we expected it to be. But the, the first um, plot hole, though, that you, you were talking, you were talking about how they behave in unsciencey ways. The first like time that the um that Cedric, not Cedric, what's his name? The alien. Oh, Calvin. Calvin gets out in the lab. Rebecca Hall and Ryan Reynolds. Both Rebecca like, Ferguson. Ferguson. Oh, right. That explains the accent. <laughs> it was like she sounds slightly foreign. Yeah, she is she's always, slightly foreign. We say that in every movie that we see her and we're so, like, she but, doesn't sound right. But she's – I thought it was Rebecca Hall who is English and I was like, why does she not sound right? She's English, like, born. This is, Why does her accent sound wrong? But she's Swedish. That makes more sense. Um. So Rebe- she was playing English in this movie, yeah. much like um, Numi Rapace in Prometheus. I probably should stop bringing up Prometheus, but it definitely had some similar <laughs> and, and issues. Ryan Reynolds is playing American too, not, and he's Canadian. Um, but anyway, the two of them gang up on the scientist who has been doing the experiments. They get out and they're like, this is entirely your fault. He, yeah. A clamp is broken. And he's like, oh, that's on me. Even though a clamp clamps break, you know, like yeah. – not, no, they were like, oh, no, nothing in there could possibly ever break. <laughs> but also it's it, like the, we believe the alien did that, right? Yeah. But still, yeah, no, but definitely. But they gang up on him as if just uh, – I've never been in any healthy functioning workplace where when somebody makes a mistake, the immediate response is to gang up on the person, right? Yeah. Especially when the mistake is uh, – what's the word? Like ambiguous. It could have come – like there were a number of factors that could have contributed to it. Also, these are astronauts. In space, things go wrong. And at a couple of points, they say, oh, the training didn't prepare us for this. But, like, literally the whole job of becoming an astronaut is training to solve problems in space. Mm -hmm. They train for worst-case scenarios. And Rebecca Ferguson's character is supposed to be an expert in worst-case scenarios. Which, by the way, she does actually have a fairly good plan for this worst-case scenario. But she doesn't tell the rest of her teammates and that's what ends up getting him into trouble. Professional astronauts going into space will be briefed 
on the full quarantine pro- program yeah. protocol because you know what? Their whole mission is to go and get quarantine material. Of course, everybody would know the quarantine protocol. Mm. They probably have drills on it. But, you know, narrative tension. Um, there's this oh. bit where um, Calvin is trying to escape the lab and he's trying to escape through the vents mm. and, like, they're closing them off one by one. And as soon as they, as soon as um, Hiroyuki Sanada starts closing them off one by one, you know that that alien's getting out the well, last he one. He has a, even has a line of dialogue. I can't close them all at once. Yeah. And just to do just, it. Why? For narrative tension. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so silly. It's so silly. Mm. Um, And it's... It, got really good actors in it for something so silly yeah. too like i like i mean i don't know two of them um the um black guy and the russian woman yeah <laughs> ariane bakare and i'm i'm okay olga olga dihovich dihovich naya there you go um, no, I, I don't, don't know two I of those guys those either. Two. Although Olga reminded me of Isabella Rossellini a lot. Yes, I was. I like, thought is she that? was Isabella Rossellini. Well, I beginning. thought she was Isabella Rossellini's daughter. Just I figured the age was not right. Well, I couldn't yeah. see. It was pretty dark at the beginning, yeah, and the haircut is the same as well, and the accent yeah. sounded the same. Well, I mean, later on, it became obvious that the accent was Russian, but um, yeah. Well, I hadn't figured out <laughs> that she was the one speaking because at the beginning, it's very hard to tell who's who, right? When they mm. when we first introduced to the characters, yeah. it's a very poor introduction to the characters. It really only introduces us to who Ryan Reynolds is as a character. And we know but everybody Ryan else. Reynolds is. Yeah, he's Ryan Reynolds as a character. Mm. I mean, he's like basically Deadpool in space. But um, everybody else is kind of half in shadow. The only person who's really easy to pick out is um, Hiroyuki Sanada because he's got a beard. Mm. <laughs> like, because ev- literally yeah, yeah. even Jake Gyllenhaal I was struggling with because everybody's kind of like half uh, like only a tiny bit of their face is showing. And well, him, Rebecca Hall and Olga, whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce again, they all have like dark brown hair that's off their face mm. um rebecca hall's hair is tied back but and olga De- what's and they're all white has yeah has short hair but they're all white skinned um dark haired in the same kind of uniforms that there's you can't tell them apart no it's so difficult at the beginning of the movie it takes a long time to get well it felt like a long time to get to the actual action but it wasn't it was just that they weren't doing anything with that time like they were throwing at us like character traits but not personality traits like you know this man is disabled and a scientist Mm. and has a family this man has a baby on the way with the girl from Torchwood yeah um and also um Hiroyuki Sanada I'm pretty sure is in his 50s (laughs) so he was obviously playing much younger to have a baby on the way the ages are all over the place because Olga is like 37 Mm. so she um and then like Ariane Bakare is 10 years older than her. Right. And, yeah, I think they were kind of – I mean, obviously, just because, yeah, you know, someone can re- be a commander, but, like, there is no sort of age um I don't think that's particularly clarity. important. I think more – like uh, – okay. yes, if he's having a baby and he's in his 50s, that is a little bit odd. And, yeah, so – Oh, yeah, he's in his, like, late 50s. He's right, 56, yeah. 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 Um, and I – yeah – and he's really looking really good for 56, don't get me wrong. I have a really big crush on Hiroyuki Sanada. But, like, I think I've said this on the podcast before, actually. Mm. Yes, we've. To- I know we've talked about him before. This also reminds me of, I saw him on a TV show, and I can't remember the name of the TV show right now. It was, like, DNA or something. Um, <laughs> but it was, like, a horror sci-fi TV show. Yeah. It was a lot better than this movie. But he was good on that. He was, like, a... You know, Helix. Yeah, Helix. That's it. And uh, that had one really good season. Mm. And then it had some more seasons that weren't so good. But it had one really good season. And that was like CDC and an alien virus Mm. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that was a lot better. 
Um, what was the point that I was trying to make at that point? About, when I well, got distracted? Well, was, we were talking about their ages and how he's in his 50s and was – Right. Yeah. Oh, no. That's what I was going to say. So, the movie that we're going to compare this to the most obviously is Alien, which you mm-hmm. haven't seen. No. The thing that's really amazing about Alien – Apart from, well, there's a lot of things that are really amazing about Alien. Basically, it set the precedent for any, like, horror action movies or even horror movies that came after, you know. Mm. Um, a lot of the stuff that they did in Alien was so creative and so innovative and it's a beautifully shot movie, like, gorgeously shot movie, right? can't remember who directed it right now. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, thank you. It's like James Cameron, no. Um Really, Scott hasn't made anything good recently. That's probably why. But um, it's such a beautiful movie and it's so well made. But one of the things that it does really, really well is, and I think we've talked about this before, um, the script was written without any genders or any race in mind mm. for any of the characters. And then the ca- they, it was cast regardless of that, mm. right? So none of the characters were cast as like, were written as like, this person's a woman, this person's a ma- the black man in a wheelchair. <laughs> like yeah. nobody was written that way. There's other things too. Um, Alien set in the future and it's on this like cargo ship and those guys aren't prepared for this sort of thing because they're not well-trained scientist astronauts. They are like freight haulers mm. basically. And like there are people on that ship who just whose job is just not to do this. Yeah. Also, the chest burst of recreation scene in this one was nowhere near as good. Like it was just wrapped no. around his leg. Not that scary. And uh, uh, the way that they used the disability and that was kind of awful. Yeah. Uh, where was I going with? Oh, right. So Alien was really, really innovative and mm. interesting and fun. Whereas this movie is like every cliche in the book, some of which Alien wrote, <laughs> just smacking you, smacking you in the face by one by yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and that was frustrating. Yeah, uh, because if you're going to do this, like, why? You know, other, what's the point of doing this if you're not going you to do something to the original? Here? Yeah, if you're not, yeah, bringing something to the genre, trying something new. It even goes for, like, the killer has one last final scare at the end. Yeah. Which, by the way, the ending was one of my favourite parts. Um, <laughs> it genuinely was because we had so much set up for this. And it's it's kind of like the only place that this narrative can go is for Jake Gyllenhaal to return to Earth. Yes. Because he's the character who's been in space. He's going for the longest record of yeah, being in space. Yeah, he's getting sick. He doesn't want to go back to Earth. Right, Of exactly. course, he's he the one who survives. To. And I liked that, yeah. like, turnaround. Mm. I liked it. It was a bit predictable, but it was a fun kind of predictable. I was like, mm. yay, it's a good kind of little horror trope at the end there. But even that wasn't shot the way that – I mean, if I was doing it, I wouldn't have shown Jake – still alive in there with the alien, I would have just like kept the narrative tension up a little bit longer and cut between the two of them and then the door opens and for a second we think it's okay and then the alien comes out and then we cut to like her in space screaming, Mm. right? Like yeah, that would have been scarier (laughs) than what we actually got, I think. Mm. I know it's still also predictable, but the way that it was done, you were like, oh, we get the scare, but then the movie goes on for another minute. And that was weird. (laughs) Yeah, the I it did cut to her screaming in space quite effectively. But then the last shot isn't her screaming in space. It's the boats going towards yeah, the boats the, going towards which the... was not totally necessary, I mm-hmm. thought. I was like I, we get it. Yeah. Not, but they wouldn't have needed that shot if they'd shown the thing coming out cuz then we would have known that those guys were going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, that just didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, you've diluted the scare a lot now." Isn't this supposed to be scary? And I think a lot of the movie is so based on jump scares. So why didn't they do one then? But it's not even that scary. No, it's not scary. In terms of jump it's scares. Go- you see gross. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds' death, which is the first death. That was like funny gross. 25 I'd... minutes in. 
or half an hour in. That was funny though. Like, yeah, I I laughed out loud. A lot of us did. And he's like the Janet Lee of this movie too. Mm. Like, there's the psycho (laughs) reference when he dies first. But um, there's the predator reference when we get to see from um, Cedric's point of view, not Cedric. Calvin's point of view. <laughs> Why Cedric? I don't. I just. I'm like C names. You know, I do this with names. Um, it's just really funny. I keep picturing like Cedric Diggory as the bad guy in this <laughs> now, like Robert Pattinson <laughs> slithering around. Um, it's Calvin. It's just. It's just not a very memorable name. Even right. though I know it's probably named after Calvin Coolidge. But anyway. Um. But yeah. The um. The Calvin Cam bit. Mm. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like when that happens like more than halfway into the movie, you're like, oh, okay, we're going for this as well. And mm-hmm. it just kind of looks like – actually, for a second, it looked, just looked like the water through that when the girl drowned. Oh, yeah. Through her visor. Also, that was- every single character who dies in this movie dies sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yep. Which I thought was really cliched. But, but that was – she got the best death. Yes. And also, of all the people to sacrifice themselves – the captain is the one that makes sense, right? Well, that's like um, because and then she's, the Martian when Jessica Chastain does that to go out and yeah, get <laughs> that's, that was exactly anyway. what I was. I was thinking of the Martian a lot during this as well because the Martian does use some of these tropes as well. There's, there's certain tropes you're not going to be able to avoid. No, no, no. You can't re- like it's going to be hard to reinvent the wheel after Alien, you know, and even Alien, yeah. even Alien took tropes that already existed and put mm. them in space a lot of the time. But it definitely did some stuff that I would – I mean, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing that, like, the script was written gender-neutral thing again. Yeah. Um, because um, there's some quite gendered moments, particularly around Ryan Reynolds' character, who's very typically brash American. And he makes a reference very literally early. Literally introduced, like, going off into, you know, save the capsule, so, like, being a maverick hero. So this thing that really pissed me off very early on, he his character makes, like, a nerdy reference. I can't exactly remember the reference right now. No, no, no. I think the um the um doctor makes the the scientist guy Hugh the black no, guy. No, Brian Reynolds makes the reference. I was I watched it and it pissed me off. This is why oh. I've remembered it specifically. He makes the reference. Rebecca Ferguson says that's a very obscure reference, and he says not if you're a nerd. Right, right. And that just made me so mad because on a couple of levels. Firstly, it's fake geek girling her. She's a fucking astronaut. Well, How much? What more do you have to do to prove your nerd credentials? Like it's she's really strongly implied that she's not an astronaut. No, she's a doctor. She's, a, she's from the CBC, right. like um, Sandra Bullock in yeah. Gravity. But like, firstly, that's just complete fake geek girling her. But yeah. secondly, it also shows up this thing of like a white guy can be that kind of guy who makes funny references and jokes around and also like has other things but the women characters have to have like worked three times as hard as everybody else and therefore have no social life mm-hmm. it's just like and, it just, and that it just was unnecessary yeah and it was just really unnecessarily gendered really early on and like you get you didn't need that like you can tell from context that ryan reynolds character is kind of a dick like we've seen this guy before and it was also very clearly written for a white guy yeah. Of a certain type because, like, put a woman in that role, put the Japanese guy in that role, people wouldn't buy it. People right. Wouldn't and that, like it. that, but that stereotype is also then reinforced when the doctor, um, scientists do, they're all doctors. <laughs> right. But, but, um, Rebecca Ferguson and Jake Gyllenhaal are medical doctors as well. Yes. Um, so, but when, when the, the Calvin scientist guy says, mm. um, not if you're a nerd as well, right? 
I don't think he, he does. Yeah, he does. He reinforces because they both say it. But, but yeah, they well, to okay. make it worse but for her. It, I, I only noticed Ryan Reynolds doing it. No, but because he, he may no, have done. He says it second. He says it. So what happens is Ryan Reynolds says it's this is some reanimated shit, right? And mm, then she mm-hmm. says. That's an obscure reference. Yes. And then the black guy says, not if you're a nerd. No, and then Ryan Reynolds. They Ryan both, Reynolds says Or they it. both say it. Okay, I didn't see him say it. He did, because I thought he'd made the joke, and I remember him being in the conversation. Yeah, so he I definitely said, not if you're a nerd. I don't remember him saying that at all. It was entirely Rebecca Ferguson, Ryan Reynolds. Whatever way, it's wrong. Yeah. No, but I was saying that that's reinforcing the stereotype that she can't be a nerd because she's a woman, because mm. they both do it. But yeah, he, I, I remember him definitely saying it. Cause I was like, can they not hear each other? <laughs> Cause I was confused in that moment. I was like, can they not hear the, oh, but then obviously he had to have heard the reference. So why did they repeat the same line? And it was literally just to reinforce that. But that, and then it's unnecessarily, like most of the movie survives then without unnecessarily gendering yeah, it. Yeah. Cause and then right the at captain, the captain, for example, is romance. not particularly gendered. No. And then at the end, there's this weird romance bit that comes up that you're like, why? Well, just but cause they're together at the start though. They, he talks about he refers to her as family and there's kind of there's a scene where they're very close to one another while she's checking her vitals and stuff. I read that as they ha- already had a thing going on, but she did the same thing with um, the black guy. No, not the same. Not the same level of intimacy. Not uh, as close. Not. As, I clearly yeah. read that really wrong then. Although I have a history of doing that when I watch like action sci-fi movies, I'll just filter out the romance. I kind of did that. Yeah. With, when I saw Star Trek 2009, it wasn't till um, Uhura was actually kissing Spock in the elevator that I was like, oh, they're together. Right. Yeah. But those two, so, those two never quite seem like they're together. There's no chemistry right. or anything there. There's, there's actually but a these romance two in, um, actually seemed like they might be together. There was like that level of intimacy there. I missed that completely. In The Martian, um, Kate Mara is dating somebody on that ship oh sebastian stan yeah. they're together on the, in that movie as well and you're like but why why do you ne- feel the need to put romance in this mm. there's no it need seems... for romance in and this also movie. most people it's an alien movie there's no romance in alien and and also like when you go to the iss most people go solo you wouldn't want to send a couple together like that would be horrifying if they both died well that's what i mean i don't think they were together and then they got together on the ship but she was the newest yeah. recruit and i was very confused yeah yeah i was i was yeah, baffled no, no, I, it by it that seems like they got thing. together on the ship that's that's how i read it from that bit where he says yeah i've got family here and then the right, camera turns I, around I, oh I thought her. he was just like being – I thought also no. that he had a particularly close relationship with the captain because he tried really hard to save her and cried a lot when she died. So I was like, oh, they must be really close because they've been on the ship a really long time. Yeah. Well, okay, so that that makes sense. And also I think – that well, the bit about the captain that actually was quite effective is that sort of the team losing its leader. Like they cry mm. the most over her. She has the most horrifying – but also most heroic death. Mm. She has a great death. But she's it's also quite clear, like there are six people on this ship and they've been you know, when you when you're all like alone in space like that, the level of intimacy with each other, but also the But you can only have that level level of intimacy with somebody of the opposite gender. No, 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 that's actually not not where I was going with that sentence. No. But the the level of intimacy that as a group that they develop is Mm. obviously very strong. But it's always clear that she's the leader and they all look up to her and they respect her. And it's that feeling of like, silly as it seems, but I'm, I'm going to compare it to like a normal workplace. Like when the boss isn't there, it feels like th- there's no grown up to help you. <laughs> like when the, your boss is there, you're like, oh, it's good. There's a grown up to back me up. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter if your boss is younger than you or whatever, but you just kind of feel that way. There's a lot of things in this movie that I feel like they could have done differently to make it a little bit clearer and easier. Rebecca Ferguson always feels like an outsider. 
Mm, but they yes. never really make her an outsider because they do that romance thing and stuff like that. And you, you kind of feel like, well, if you're going to go for it, just go for it. And don't they, do this yeah, other and they don't, thing. Yeah, they, they don't explain the CDC thing with her. They kind of say it, but they don't sort of explain that. And it seems like she's come up on a special mission just to look at the yeah. other stuff. And some of them have been there longer and some of them have been there a shorter amount of time, but they don't quite make that work. And there's also an implication around Jake, Jake's character being a very different kind of man to Ryan Reynolds. Like Ryan Reynolds is, is that sort of flyboy cliche, mm. test pilot kind of astronaut guy. And Jake's character is, you know, he's a doctor. He's more sort of um, in, in touch with his feminine side kind of But thing. he's also got PTSD, which is referenced yeah. early on. Right, exactly. Which is, I think, maybe also why I read that scene really differently. Because I was like, oh, she's comforting him because he has like PTSD and it's I oh, thought right. I read it really differently and it was obviously the way that you read it yeah and like, I, I by the look, end of the movie I, I was like, like okay, I missed I get the PTSD it. I just thought he you know had stuff happen well he was talking about how he used to yeah, work going in Syria, Syria right in the military so yeah. I, like yeah clearly he worked for the military it was um like yeah. you know John Watson in Sherlock type thing where yeah. he's like he has PTSD and he feels safe in space right instead of yeah. on earth yeah yeah no I got I just didn't um, get the, the only leap I didn't make there was PTSD thing. I don't know why. And then it cuts to him like playing with the yo-yo and stuff, which yes. I was like, oh, that's a comforting mechanism for him. So I, I got different things. No, I, I didn't. It's not that I got different things. I just didn't put that label on it. Right. Okay. So that was so, all. But for me, that was like, yeah, I was like, oh, it's nice that she's a good doctor. Mm. <laughs> Bad yeah, at reading no, they romance. They were just too close together. Um, yeah, it was, it was different from how she treated the other men. Right. But, but yeah. even then, like, I thought that she and like – because I thought she and and the black guy kept flirting. So yeah, and I was there was a bit also confused, there was obviously. also a minute like at dinner where Jake is like adorably reading to everybody, mm. and Ryan he Reynolds looks good in this movie. By makes the way. fun of him, and she's like giggling at mm. Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, oh no, why would you do that? Well, she's so mean. He's but so she sensitive. Does, she is set up as being as teasing him. Yeah, right. The the bit in the in the clip where they, where it's obviously setting up romance, but again, I didn't see it. Where you're talking about, like, he says, "Oh, I've got family on this ship," and it cuts away to her, and she's like, mm. "Oh, family that teases him about stuff." I was like, "It's more of a brother sister." <laughs> like, I just didn't see mm. it, you know, because of the yeah. way that it was set up. And then it could have been like, I mean, they have different last names, so I'm assuming they're not brother and sister. But no, but I meant more like a brother sister style relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they're like is- a Harry Hermione style right, relationship, exactly. And then and that is and then she teases him about you right, know, his exactly. bike riding and her running. And, and I saw that, that as being thing. a parallel to his relationship with the captain, as them like mm. that. You know, he's close to those guys yeah. because he is more sensitive and, and stuff. The captain is like been there and given him a chance and like you know has come in even though she obviously wasn't his first captain and she's coming we're getting really stuck on this. we are because i've just remembered the other plot hole that i want to talk about which is ryan reynolds death he has at least three chances to escape that lab mm-hmm. and he does not do it ryan reynolds death i mean it's just like it's the- so frustrating because there are so many really easy and obvious ways he could have gotten out of there when um calvin was over the other side of the room but he didn't. And there's a bunch of stuff like that too. Like there's no fake outs. Once yes. Calvin is going to go after somebody, that's the next person to die. And there's no chance that it's going to be anybody else. There's a slight fake out on Hiroyuki Sonata. A slight fake out well, where he gets into his that- bed and you think it's going to get him in the bed and it doesn't. But it's a, that's a slight fake out. But otherwise, no, no. Once it's after you, you are doomed. Hiroyuki Sonata has a really sexy voice. Not the point. Um <laughs> 
I don't know. There were a lot of cute guys in this movie. Okay, <laughs> I was distracted. Um, yes. I liked this movie for that reason. Like well, that's Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds and Hiroyuki Sonata were really hot. In well, this that's movie. pretty much why we were there. We'd never heard of this movie, but then we were like, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds have done a movie together, and they're adorable on the press tour. Well, and it's go. in space. Yeah, like, exactly. What's Sci-fi not to like? <laughs> um, hits many of our buttons. So of course. And then I found out that Hiroyuki Sonata was in it, and I was like, Oh my god, that's so exciting! I love him. One thing I felt this movie was lacking. It had it looked really pretty and it had really good special effects and yet it never feels original in any of that and it, like the creature design is not very original no you know? oh my god why is everything a vagina dentata <laughs> why <laughs> it starts as a penis it was exactly yes. like prometheus no, well, but yeah that's right it, it starts as a penis then it turns into like it becomes more clitoral I and then it gets like a vagina dentata well. but yeah um they kill a plant yeah, was little, all I could think whenever it came up. I was so, like, oh, it's a killer plant. How terrifying. Frequently behaved like my badly behaved cat as well. <laughs> well, that was part of it as well. Like it, it, at one point, um, I really I feel bad about this. Uh, Hugh, the scientist guy, says mm. um, it doesn't hate us. It just has to kill us. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Mm. Like life is destruction. And I'm like, that's not even true. At the beginning of the movie, there's no reason for that, right? It's all friendly and sweet. And well, like there's, there's, an, there's an element of exploration there. It's not true that it had to kill you. And there's not also a human error moment where where they threaten it first. Oh, wait, there is because mm-hmm. he shocks yeah, it. He shocks it. with the, uh, And then they do it again. I was um, mixing up the two scenes again. When Ariel Bakari's character's dying, they get the defibrillator out. Mm. Like, you know that it does not respond well to electric shocks. But it, they don't know it's there. Also, the people on the – the actual people – are not very bright. Like it's no. really, really obvious to the audience. God, that's painful. That the creature is learning the behaviors of the things it takes. Like um, it, it takes Hugh's hand and then it, it learns how to be a hand and use something as a weapon. It gets the mouse's like brains and it, like organs and stuff like that, learns how to move in a different way. It, it's that very, mouse, very, by the way, talking about like Chekhov's mouse. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I was like, why, it, why is it there? Is it, it, there's so many cutaway shots to the mouse yeah. in the beginning. And it seems there's like, like 20 cutaway shots to the mouse and you're like, why are we getting the mouse's reaction and, shots to everything? And it, they're not even experimenting on the mouse. It looks like the mouse is there as a canary in the coal mine. I know. I couldn't stop. Every time I was like, why is the mouse there? And mm. it happens so often in the beginning of the movie. This is what yeah, I'm talking about. Like, these people are rocket scientists and they can't figure this out. There's all these options to humanize the characters and to make them interesting. And like, clearly these actors are up to that challenge. I'm not totally convinced like, on Rebecca have Ferguson. To, you have to be smart to go to space. And these people are just dumb. I'm not sold on Rebecca Ferguson. I know right. we, we've seen her in three things now. And she was good in one of them. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and that was when she had to do a lot of action. Right. I liked Mission Impossible, but Girl on the Train was Drek, and this mm-hmm. she wasn't very good in. She just wasn't very convincing. Like, mm. And it was a bad role, I know. But, like, even Jake managed to, like, get something out of the character, right? Yes. Like, e- even if it was just, you know, I have big vulnerable eyes. Love me. Um, well, he, you, you got the PTSD storyline out of him. Right. That's, exactly. Yeah. Like, you, he, he kind of does something with the character. Although I was thinking right at the end of the movie, I was like, I'd love to see all of this stuff exactly word for word happening with um, Hiroyuki Sonata and the guy who played Hugh instead of these two characters with, like, the whole cheek holding thing. And I was like, would that be something that you guys would show us? No. no. Then don't do it with these guys. Mm. Like, I just it just frustrated me. Yeah. 
But also, I just wanted to keep Shaw around longer. Um, and he was more interesting, I thought, but only yeah. because I think, I, I don't think he was particularly well developed. I mean, that was a real problem with this movie was that, like, mm. you had to kind of pull something out to, oh, yeah. to otherwise connect with these characters because for the most part, they weren't people at all. Mm. Um, they were just a collection of, like, character traits. This is a captain. She's Russian. Although she didn't even act particularly Russian. And then there was, like, well, I think the the implication was that it's a few years in the future now mm. um, because Jake talks about remembering the Challenger disaster at school and I can remember that happening and I was like at uni, I think that's 2003 or something. So it's set – I think the idea is, from what I understand, is it's set a few years in the future, the war and the horrible stuff in Syria is over and we're friends with the Russians again. That yes. was my that was my thought. That was, was the only reason to have her as a Russian. It's like you know Chekhov on on Star Trek, right? But I think it's less that and more like she's just really really sweet, and there's none of that kind of Russian sense of humor that you get even with like mm. Nat yeah. in in um, Avengers, where that's definitely not yeah, addressing no, the Russia no 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 conflict. no dry sense of humor or anything. Right, like. exactly. Right. It, she just didn't like she just didn't strike me as very Russian. It's it's not that kind of that they are they do tend to be dry and like. You know, yeah, like it was character formed in hardship kind of stuff, right? Exactly, and it's. Not, I'm not saying anything like particularly bad about it. It's just that she, as being the Russian member of the crew, didn't like have a lot of things that marked her as Doesn't Russian. Even drink vodka, like there's nothing. <laughs> She's a saint, right? Basically, yeah, it is that kind of the women have oh, to be. Here's another plot hole. I've just remembered. She gives the Japanese baby Goodnight Moon as a present, right? Firstly, Goodnight Moon is very American centric. We don't read it here. Rebecca Ferguson as an English person would not have had it, probably had it read to her as a kid either. Uh, may, I, maybe if she grew up in the early aughts and when the world was a bit more connected. But I never heard of Goodnight Moon until I was an adult and I heard Americans talk about it. But a Russian finds Goodnight Moon, which somebody apparently somehow read to her when she was a kid and gives it to the Japanese baby. Which that is, felt so product placement-y to me, the <laughs> Goodnight Moon but references. But I feel like Goodnight Moon's out of copyright. Or if not out of copyright, it's like – uh, yeah, anyway, but it probably was. I don't know. It just felt really – like when she first shows it, I'm mm. like, wow, man, mate, make sure you get that really in shot, you know. Um, well, I mean, I mean, like Goodnight Moon is a normal baby gift oh, if you are American. Can I just also – But she's not. Why would she have a connection to it? Really big plot hole. <laughs> Before we move on, really giant plot hole. Hiroyuki Sanada shows a video of his baby being born on his iPad, which they never go back to when their communications fall out. No, no, no. Why? Well, because he's the internet has gone. But they don't ever reference the internet has but gone. He's, but yeah, I know they don't reference it properly. But he's FaceTiming, he's, no, right? He, yeah, I know. But he'd have to be connected to a satellite or something for that. But right? he would have to be connected to the internet if their comms have gone. I, look, they don't explain it, but I had, I had, and I had to think through this through. But presumably, if comms are gone, internet is gone. But they never say that. But and no, also, they don't say why can't we FaceTime? They'd have to be close to a million satellites. There's so much mm. up there. So like, don't any of them have a satellite phone? Doesn't the International Space Station have any have kind some of kind second? of backup satellite comms? <laughs> right. Like it's. I mm. I feel like. It can't be that difficult. It was a bit like Ryan Reynolds. He could easily have gotten out of that lab. But that was, yeah, exactly. There were like, probably other options before a spacewalk to explore with fixing the comms. Okay, the oxygen candles thing. Take the oxygen oxygen <gasps> candles, 
put Calvin in the space lock at the beginning of the movie and hit the space lock button. What were they doing? Like, there's so many opportunities. I know. To just, like, and, and even I was like, oh, just lure it into the space lock and send it out into space. That's what, what, um, That's... Ripley does in Alien. Yes! <laughs> Why weren't you guys thinking of this? But Alien, of course, they can't find the alien for ages. That's the big issue, Mm. is that all of them are out. But in this one, Calvin comes across them like 50 times, and they know how to lure Calvin. And then the alien gets a tracking device. Yes. As if... (laughs) Like, why couldn't they have just, oh, my God. Like, and how could this crew of people never have seen Alien to know what <laughs> right. to do in this situation? <laughs> of course they've seen Alien. They, re- they reference Reanimator. They have to have seen Alien. <laughs> like, just, it's so frustrating. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway. I, I mean, you, you kind of have to put it all aside and go along for the ride. But every so often you're just like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's. Like that whole problem, chunk it took of, me out of the movie. Yeah. All of these things took me out of the movie because I kept thinking, um, that doesn't add up. To be fair, I was out of the movie a lot of the time because there was a problem with our screen that yeah, I yeah, couldn't stop true. noticing. Um, it ruined a lot of shots. Yeah, I I kind of got over that after the first couple of dark shots that it ruined. It was fine. It is actually interestingly filmed, at least. Like it, it feels realistic to the International Space Station. Unfortunately, like you say, it's not very interesting or new. Well, you know what's interesting, what's like feels really true to the International Space Station and was really interesting and new? Gravity. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, but it's true, right? Gravity gave yes. you a really good sense of the whole ship, where everything was before anything happened. And But this movie doesn't do that. No, and then they also like, you, you guys, we're going to go east to west. You guys, close these doors. And there's no sense of the geography of the ship as to who's going where and doing what. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I couldn't find my way around. Like, until the bit where the captain is out on the spacewalk and she's like, I'm going to have to jump. Until that bit happens, you don't know that she ha- that no, how far yeah. she has to go to get back in. You think yeah. she's just got to go, like, back down a thing because that's all they've set up for you. Yeah, that was an issue too. When she was out there, I was like, how far does she have to go? I don't <gasps> understand. Why is she drowning? I don't understand. Yeah. It was much less time than this when she went out there. <laughs> um, I think that's partly experience. Um, Alfonso Cuaron is a wonderful, wonderful director who's been mm. working for a very long time. Daniel Espinosa, the only other movie that he's made that I recognized was Safe House. All right. Um, which we saw. Yeah, so it's – You it, saw, I didn't. Didn't you see that? Not that I can remember. But we did that. It's a Denzel Washington action movie. It's And maybe Ryan Reynolds? There's a white guy in that movie. <laughs> no, I've not seen actually any of his films. Who else? Who's the other guy in Safe House? Um, I'm looking it up, but yeah, I haven't seen any of his stuff. Yeah, so he was plucked out of obscurity for Safe House, it seems, and then yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ryan Reynolds was in it with. Um, oh yeah, I was right. Yeah. With Denzel Washington. Right? Yep. I remember it being like particular, like a good type thriller, yeah. but not like particularly interesting. But also, um. Probably a much smaller undertaking than this, much more contained, a lot less effects to deal with, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I get, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like he was just kind of thrown thrown in the deep end with this. Mm. It feels very much like somebody who's watched a lot of American movies is Swedish and then like put them together in in a way that, you know, that the studios would be happy with. But I I do feel like this is kind of a disappointment in that it's not, it's really not offering anything new, but it's that's on the writers as well. The writers just don't feel. Uh, it's very uninspired. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's kind of the thing. You just look at it and you're like, why? Why? And why put these actors in it? You know, like mm. what? Are, um, why? What's attracted them to this? Yeah, it's did just they make like a lot of money Jake off it? Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Who's who doing does a lot of interesting stuff? Makes interesting choices. Yeah, and he hasn't done stuff. Well, 
to be fair, he did Prince of Persia. So he does every so often do mm. one for the money. Oh, guess where the writers come from? Where? Deadpool. <laughs> oh, right. Also Zombieland. But that was a good is movie. It's a good movie, yeah. Zombieland is excellent. But they, they're also from Deadpool and um Even oh, that. G.I. Joe <laughs> Retaliation. Okay, well, that's bad. Uh, but Zombieland is good. Yeah, you're right. But even Deadpool had, well. Yeah, I and mean, Deadpool is funny and it has its, like, it's it's witty. But I think they were kind of out of their depth doing this. Everything in this just feels a little out of its depth. Mm. Like Rebecca Ferguson in the lead and the direction and the writing and taking on Alien of all things. Like, there's a reason Alien's a classic and I, I really love that movie. Um, right, a- Alien, I think, is just – it was made in 1979. If you look at shots from Alien right now, there's no way you would look at that movie and go, oh, yeah, 1979. It's a 70s movie. No, like, you it wouldn't. It is gorgeous. It is so well shot. The Alien is so cool and weird and, like, different to mm-hmm. anything you've seen before. That chestburster scene – is like something that they teach you at university for a good reason. Like none of the actors in well, that yeah, scene you, knew that that was going to happen, mm. and and not in a like oh they're abusing women on the no movie no kind in, of way, in, a, in a we want the reactions yeah scene, um, way and it works it's so good mm. and the audience also has no idea it's going to happen because the the people in the actors didn't know it was going mm, to happen mm. you know but also because it's not like you have this massive moment of relief when John hurts okay. You know, there's this, but in this movie, you always know that that Hugh's going to be doomed mm. from the beginning of the movie. Uh, oh, look, I was in a, a wheelchair, and a, also I have a family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What does he say early on in the movie? He says something specifically. I don't know. Oh, but these you, are going to be the des- best days of my life. Oh, like, yeah, oh, you're doomed, going to die. Doomed. Oh, it's so so predictable, and that and that sort of stuff. Like again, you know, Alien never does that. It never says this is. And you never know. Except that, you know, everybody knows that Ripley's going to survive because we all know what a cultural phenomenon is she is. But from the mo- beginning of the movie, you don't know who's going to live and who di- who's going to die. No. There's no way of knowing it. In fact, there's this whole twist, <laughs> which you, I'm sure you know about, so I'm probably not spoiling you. I, spoiling look, I'm, you. It, I feel like you, a 40-year-old movie, it's fine to spoil me. But the, the reasons I haven't seen it are not because I don't want to. It's because... We were supposed to go to a screening a, couple, a few years back and you were like, I don't want you going to your first screening of Alien by yourself in the dark in a cinema because you, you will freak you, out. It is. It's a proper horror movie. Um. So, yeah. So that, I that's think you why should I'm, watch it in the daytime with the lights on. Yeah. There's a twist involving Ian Holm. Do you know it? Probably not. I don't know. Okay. It's so possible. I won't tell you it just in case. But that's also a really unpredictable one. And it's like it's this kind of like – it's really innovative and it's really different and it's so odd in in so many of the things that it does and this is why it's such a classic. Like, uh, you know, putting Sigourney Weaver as well, p- pitting Rebecca Ferguson against Sigourney Weaver is cruel. She doesn't get as much to do in this and she can't match up. No, I Although mean, that was she one doesn't of the have first movies presence. Sigourney Weaver was in. Yeah, no, well, Sigourney Weaver was essentially an unknown but – there's a presence. There's this great behind the scenes thing, by the way, of whichever movie it was. Of oh, her with the flamethrower? No, that no, what you're no. Because um, I was when Ryan Reynolds makes a flamethrower out of it. Yeah, that's a reference. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. But there's no, no, no. There's a great behind the scenes moment where in the third one, I'm pretty sure it's the third one because that's when she's infected with the alien or whatever. Right. But she turns around, she walks away from a basketball 
hoop and she has a basketball and she throws it. Oh, yeah, I've And it goes this. straight in yeah. and it's it was, like, real. Yeah, and completely unplanned. <laughs> and Ron Perlman loses it. It's so great. <laughs> it's a really great – If you ever need to know what Katie loves in life, it's when actors break – on TV shows or in movies, oh, yeah. for real. It's One of Katie's my favorite, favorite thing. <laughs> Absolute favorite. They, if they break or they sing, I mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it, he doesn't break on camera. It's like I've seen the behind right. the scenes, although you can actually see him like be impressed for a split second on camera. Um, but like the actual like longer take is him losing it a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And she just nailed it and she didn't even think about it. She just nailed it but, walking away yeah, from behind her. Like, uh, yeah, I would say that Rebecca Ferguson probably has even more experience than Sigourney Weaver. She does. Or, uh, she, she's been around longer, but she just doesn't have presence. Like, it, but it, she's so – she it ha- does have it in Mission Impossible, right? Mm. No, that, that introduction scene where she's wearing that yellow dress and she comes up the stairs and she's hiding in the – like, she has more presence than Tom Cruise does in that. Yeah, bit. I, I mean, yeah, I, but she's like, you know, Sigourney Weaver. Um, I think that I feel like Rebecca Ferguson, she's become this kind of sensation overnight and she hasn't been given an opportunity to, like, become a Hollywood actress. Right. Like, she's just been put in this one movie and now they're like, everybody loved her, let's put her in these other things. And she's but a they Swedish actress like, who's – character actress who's just kind of thrown into this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like they haven't given her a chance to develop into these things and she keeps getting put in these movies that are being badly written and badly mm-hmm. directed and everything as well. Well, And because she's kind of like, oh, wow, I've got these Hollywood opportunities, I've got to take everything that comes in. Right, exactly. Um, I yeah. just I feel like she could be better. Mm. Like I always get this sense when she's in things that she just could be a little bit better if they gave her a chance to do something, mm. but everything is kind of, you know, not working that way. I don't know if that's true. She might be terrible in everything, but th- yeah. I, I just don't feel like that's the case. No, okay. I, and she is certainly, like, I want to watch her on screen. I just, it's not quite the same as also, having a real leading lady. Zero chemistry with Jake Gyllenhaal. None. Like, <laughs> none. Like, to the point. I mean, I've seen Jake Gyllenhaal. I've watched a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal movies. I am a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Um, there's two in the last couple of mo- years that I really want to see, actually. I want to see, oh, three of them, actually, that I've missed that I wanted to see. Um, one of them was Prisoners and one of them was that Michael Pena cop movie. Yes, I've um, been meaning to watch that. Right, and there's another one that I've forgotten. Yep. But um, I love Jake Gyllenhaal and, like, I've seen him have really good chemistry with on-screen partners. Love and Other Drugs, he was great with Anne Hathaway, but, God, it was painful watching him with her. Maybe that's why I didn't pick yeah, up on it. Yeah, I suspect that was why. Like um, right until the end of the movie when, when they actually like do that stuff at the end of the movie, I was like, but why? It doesn't work at yeah. all. He had more yeah. chemistry with Ryan Reynolds in two scenes that they barely interact on. <laughs> you know, like he really did. Like that moment when <laughs> I know pulls, they're great together. <laughs> they are. And on the press tour, they've been so good together. They get nothing to do together in this movie. But there's this bit in the, um, in the beginning of the movie when he pulls, you know, uh, not, um, when he pulls Hugh out of the room. Yeah. And then he has to close the door on Ryan Reynolds and there's a moment between them and you feel that moment. That was in the trailer because it was such a good moment. That was more mm-hmm. emotionally affecting than almost anything else in this movie and it's a two-second shot yeah. of the two of them. Like, you know who the power actors are in this movie. Yeah, and they needed – like, if they, they really needed a power woman up – someone who could match them. They really did. They yeah. got – they had to put somebody else who's not Rebecca Ferguson in this. Yeah, yeah no. And, and it, it does feel a lot like Numi Rapace. In Prometheus. Yeah, again, also not 
enough of a star to be able to carry this. But she's she did the ex- it's exactly the same thing with her. She did so well in Dra- Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. They went, oh, let's put her in all these Hollywood movies, mm. and then they put her in bad Hollywood movies that like she's not up for and she's not prepared. You know for. who would have been good actually in that part would have been a Jessica Chastain. You know who would have been good in that part? Rebecca Hall. Yeah, again, probably not famous enough. Like she's not famous. Not, not um sort of. Like it, it actually needed to be someone who was on a level with Jake Gyllenhaal. But is she like she's? I mean, Ryan Reynolds on the, a level of fame with Rebecca Ferguson. Surely. She certainly is, given that I thought it was her. Right. Like, and yeah, she's yeah. better. But yeah, no, Jessica Chastain. Even like Jessica Chastain, like Bryce Dallas Howard would have been good in this. Yeah, but somebody who's got a bit of um, gravitas she, and presence. Bryce around Dallas them. Howard gives everything she's got to these I movies. Know, so. Bless her heart. She's wonderful. She would have been a lot better. Yeah. But she's too big a star, I think, to play third fiddle to these two ah, guys. And especially when they pushed Ryan Reynolds so hard in the advertising and he's the first one to go, which was kind of a surprise, but then they build it up too much to really be a shock. Oh, it's too much of a – yeah, there's no shock about it at all. That's which just, is a real shame. And like I said, he can escape three times and he doesn't. That is a real shame because that's, that's a trump card. Mm, yep. That ro- word is ruined forever. Yep. <laughs> um, but that's that's an ace up their sleeve. There you go. That they have, right? Yeah. That's a good idea to kill Ryan Reynolds first. That's a shock. Yeah. Make it a shock. Make it quick. Yeah. You know, make God, it so that you think he's going to get out. And yeah. Ugh. Make it so that he's about to get out and then he suddenly dies and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Give it some oomph. The, the other thing that uh, <laughs> Alien has is a cat. Mm. There's a cat <laughs> yes. um, in, in Alien that like you're the one constantly meowing at our door right now. I can hear. But there's a cat that you're constantly more worried about than you are yeah. the crew. Like the cat is always wandering around and some of the sometimes the cat provides the jump scares instead of the alien. Mm-hmm. But also like everybody wants to protect this cat. Yeah, of course you do. Right. Like it's the save the cat moment. Yeah. Again, this movie doesn't have one of those. No. None of the heroes have a moment where <sighs> they Oh no, Jake has a million. Jake is the only real hero in this movie mm. and a bit Ryan Reynolds at the beginning. But yeah. then he comes off as cocky as well, yeah. whereas Jake is like he's the sweetheart. He goes out and tries to save everybody every time. He mm. just goes. Um, he does the same thing with Hiroyuki Sanada. He does the same thing with Hugh. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to go and help people. Yeah, he's his, a sweetheart. Yeah, that's his nature. Okay, we have talked way too long about this terrible movie. No, we haven't because it's a really good terrible movie to pick apart because it is such so, a – It's so easy to pick apart. There's re- it's really got easy examples of why things were wrong. Right, exactly. And it's it's really easy to do because you can put it in comparison with these classics mm. and also with movies that didn't work like Prometheus. You can see exactly where it succeeds and where it fails and mm. what the problems with it are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had fun. I – yeah, I had lots of fun. Like, that, well, I spent the whole movie. That was how I had fun in this movie, was thinking about ways to pick this apart. And, like, I have to remember that example. I need to use it later. I also just, like, I had a good time watching it, even though it was bad, because I did have a good time, like, in that kind of, not even so bad it's good, but just that kind of, like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Yeah, Let's see how was, it turns out. Yeah, I kind um, of enjoyed that, too. It was kind of fun to watch, mm. because there's not a lot of scares. No. <laughs> and it's not really tense, so you're just like, oh, it's fun. Mm. Um, but it was bad. Bad, bad, bad. So what are you giving it? I don't know. Um, I want to give it like two stars because I had fun watching it. Yeah. I feel like it only deserves like one and a half, but I'm going to say two because I did have fun. I'm also saying two stars because there are some aspects that are worth it, but most of it's... Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's right. Some some of it's done well and some people are trying hard. So, yeah. 
Two points. <laughs> two stars. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes or old episodes, you can find them on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Am I the only one who was thinking of that song the whole way through it that goes, life, oh, life, oh, life? Like, surely somebody else has to have. Okay, um, bye. Not when I was going through it. But the whole movie. They say it so many times, too, and I was like, every time they said it, I was like, oh, life. I was thinking of um, Dr. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> life life uh, finds, finds a way. way. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.